Hey, everybody. This is Jennifer Strickland, your host of the I Am A Woman podcast. And I am so excited to have an incredible guest with me for the next few episodes. We are going to camp out with Mona Corwin. She is an author, a speaker, the founder of the Moms Like Us Academy. You are a mother of five, grandmother of two, and you want more. Yeah. Right. And I have a man. And you have, well, good. <laughs> well, that's good. Mona is, uh, is really special to me. I actually met her through my mentor, Debbie Titus. Yeah. It yeah. was way back when, uh, and we're going to be talking about the feminist yeah. movement and the feminist movement had had a women's march in 2017 and Debbie Titus called a, uh, emergency meeting. <laughs> That's right. She called an emergency meeting of of women, really leaders, yeah. uh, Christian women leaders in our area to have a round table to talk about what would be really the Christian response uh, to this movement. And so I was telling you, Mona, before we started, I've been taking, if, if you guys have been with us since the beginning, we've been talking about this word zakar, which is a biblical Hebrew word, and it means to remember. And when you remember, as the Bible defines it, you go back so that you could go forward. And that is why I've invited Mona to be on the podcast for the next few episodes, because she remembers the feminist movement. I did. Uh, you, she lived through it. You bought into it at some times. Yep. Uh, You've studied the history of it. Yep. And I, she's going to give us a little history lesson. What we're going to do basically is go back so that we can go forward. Because when I look at what is happening, I'm actually following the feminist movement on Instagram. I follow the Women's March on Instagram. It's very interesting to see what they, what they're posting and what they're talking about. Uh, they're often posting pictures of the uterus and saying, this is ours and you can't have it and, and stuff like that. <laughs> kind of. Unless you're a guy, you can have it. <laughs> um, but I'm, I've been watching this movement for a really long time because, like you, I speak to women. And I've been concerned about their messaging and whether it's really healthy for young women. And I'm, I want to, Zakar, I want to go back to the roots of the movement so that we can walk forward. Because most women right now, I don't know if you saw Megan Kelly, her latest, <laughs> her latest rant uh, about the, uh, really the trans movement and saying, you know, wait a minute. I was starting out to support you and respect you, and now you just want to be in women's sports and you want to be in our bathrooms. And what is this really about? And yet, that is an a branch of of feminism that is very confusing. Well, they're not they're not sticking up for those women in sports. That's right, and it they're was, not. but it was be it was. So where are they? If they're for women, why are they only for trans? men that say they're women, not for women. So we're going to get into that as we go. We're going to get yeah. into that because- But our, you, you, do have right. to, you do have to go back to go forward. So I think this is really wise. So hang yeah. in there with us. We got some yeah. really good answers. We do. We do. <laughs> so we're going to go back. There's been, I mean, it's kind of contested how many waves there really were of feminism. Three, four, five, we don't know. But let's go back to the first wave. Okay. I want you and 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 share with our listeners why this has been of interest 
to you before we go into our history lesson. What is it about this movement that has made you want to study it? Mm. I'm curious. Well, the very first thing is that I was growing up just behind them. And so for me, it was like all the big girls were doing it. So I got to, I had to find out what that meant. Mm. And I had a very strict mother that wasn't going to let me do drugs, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But I wanted, like, I wanted boots for walking over men. And <laughs> I wanted to be strong. And um, sure. So I wanted those things. But as I was going and watching, I was confused because mm-hmm. I didn't understand their hatred for men because I was young and I liked all the men. And I loved my dad and my grandpa and my aunt, my uncles, and I didn't see them as being awful. And I did not have a feminist mother. She was, um, we are all uh, affected by feminism, and we're going to get into that. And we all have feminism kind of weaved into our thoughts. And so as I was going through it, I just got more angry at them. And it took me a while. In my book, The Unstoppable Generation, Are We the Ones We've Been Waiting For? And We Are. I Mm. talk about, in the very front, about how I had to let go of my anger at the feminist movement for what they were doing Mm -hmm. and um, what it has only progressed even more. My anger and bitterness has turned into curiosity, and I want to understand it so I can help women Christian women specifically, mm-hmm. understand um, how that works into God's perspective and God's design. There and there and at all, I ended up being a, a little bit of an authority on authentic womanhood, on biblical womanhood. Mm-hmm. And so I do teach that. But mm-hmm. in the Moms Like Us Academy, it's really for moms to be um, good moms. Like there's no school for moms. So except for the Moms Like Us Academy. And we I love, learn things there. Yeah. I love that you do that. expert teachers and- um, yeah, monthly stuff and Q and A, and we're always there for answers. And it's it's a for those of you that know the Titus two um, scripture. Titus is Titus two is kind of like mentoring. You know, like when you went to work an insurance company, somebody would say, "Hey, find an older insurance guy, and he's going to show you the ropes." Sure. Well, that's in the Bible. Right. Like the Bible's got everything, it's right? Very, the Bible's very clear about older yeah. women mentoring younger women. That's Titus too. So when you saw the feminist movement growing up, you were looking at it like these were the big girls. Oh, yeah. So, I and so over that. the years, becoming becoming a Christian and becoming a mentor, you have studied this movement. And I want to take some time to uncover what the lies are of the movement, what the truths are, what are the, what are the good things that were accomplished? Because I think there were some good things. But let's go back to the first wave. Let's let's start there. Okay. Okay. What was the first when when was the first wave of feminism? Okay, it was late 1800s, 1920. So okay. by 1920, they had gotten the right to vote. And we all know that the first wave of feminism was indeed a, a right to vote. Okay. And so Which is a good thing. It is. Okay. Well, let me just before we really even get into it, I want to make this clear up front. Okay. That um, the feminist movement did a really good job of pointing out problems that were in our culture and in society. Okay. The problem was, for me, 
and many women like me mm-hmm. was that I didn't like the way they answered the question to those problems okay, or their methods. I might agree that um, abortion is wrong, but I don't want to blow up Planned Parenthood. Sure. So it, and why they wanted abortion. I don't agree with that at all. So Christian women we're kind of left in this thing where, well, yeah, we want equal pay. I don't want my daughter mistreated uh, in in her job. Right. So they did a good job of pointing out those things. But how they went about it was not the way I would have, I agreed with. So it put me in this perspective where I was like, hey, I don't even know if I'm a feminist. I don't sure. think I want to be hooked to that. And a lot of women are feeling that way right now. Yes, especially now they're feeling that way. And I think that- As well they should. As well they should. And and I think as you as you go back and you look at the roots of the movement, it helps you understand what what were their lives like? What were they after in the yeah. beginning? Well, there was see, there's different, there's different strains, people will tell you. There's different streams of feminism. And I'll acknowledge that that's true, but where does that stream come from? What body of water does that come from? Okay. And it's when we go back and we start, we will find the bitter water. Okay. So okay. let so All what right. was the issue that started the first wave? Um, they wanted a right to vote. Okay. Which, which we all know. Which that. we all know is good. But they also wanted prohibition. Okay. Why? The same, well, there was a lot of alcoholism and they were upright women. And across the country, they literally wanted... Um, Alcohol to be outlawed. So I don't know if you if you all are in favor of alcohol, you might not have liked that part of the feminist movement. So sometimes we only hear what Google wants us to know. But the truth is they were not in favor of alcohol. Why? Were their husbands coming home drunk yeah. or what was the yeah. problem? Drunk husbands are never a good thing. Okay. <laughs> never, so women were like, um, yeah, well, we no. Need to, we need to get together and, and fix this. But also... The right to vote assumed that women had no rights, and that is not true. Women in the first wave, when they were single, they could um, they couldn't vote, but they could uh, sign things. They could own land. But when they got married, they came underneath their husband's name, okay. and so everything was under their husband. Some of that, when we look at the way the world was set up and has been set up for centuries, is that women are the most vulnerable of the creatures in animals too. And so, Mm. and they, at that point, they were having lots of babies and lots of them were dying and lots of the babies were dying. Mm. And so uh, women were vulnerable. Sure. And so they needed to be protected and it, it, and they are protected by men. And so a woman at home with her children was considered, and they felt, very cared for and taken care of. They just wanted to vote. Okay. And they wanted their husbands to not be drinking. And they wanted their husbands to stop I mean, drinking really so much. Pretty simple. Here's the key that you need to get out of this, the takeaway that you need to get out of this. We're laughing about the prohibition, but it actually was true. Um, the lady that, uh, the t- two women, so if you want to look it up, Elizabeth Stratton, and Susan B. Anthony, you've heard about her. We have a stamp. Yeah, I we mean, have Susan, a coin. Susan B. Anthony, I like, isn't yeah, she, she like a major historical figure? Didn't for she? For feminism. Do, okay, for she women's rights. Yes. Okay. 
Okay. So what Elizabeth Stranton was very intellectual. She was well-educated. She had seven kids and she was married and she was the intellect behind the movement. Okay. And Susan B went out and traveled around and kind of made things happen through the thing. Okay. So at that point they're getting women together because they want to vote. Yep, they get the vote. Now, where Margaret Sanger, she was also a part of this. Yeah, in, Margaret in Sanger. the early roots, first wave. Yeah, first wave. Okay, so what was she about? Okay, well, I need to tell you one more thing. Okay. The women, another thing is that we the, these women were not mad at men. These women were not mad at men. They were angry at the situation they were in. Okay. And they wanted change. Please understand that... If they wanted the right to vote, they were not voting. So when they got the right to vote, it was passed by men. Okay, it, so men were supporting them. Men, lots so of men, men were supporting them. So that vote to give women the right to vote mm-hmm. was actually done by men because women couldn't vote. That's exactly That's, right. Duh. Okay, right. and what about the property rights? Because was that a key thing? Because it sounds like they had... They had property rights when they were single. Yeah, like if their dad they, died, they would get their dad stuff. Okay, but when they got married, they did not. Correct. Okay, so they wanted that to be changed. And that was changed. And that was changed. And and again, pointing out problems is a good thing, and how you go about it is okay. great. I, these people, this wave did not really, they made their voices heard, and they implemented change in a way that we would be happy with. It was going on today. Okay. The the thing that is the problem for them to be able to um, go out and vote or go out and do the work, these women were having, they wanted, they also wanted control of their, the population. They wanted control of how many babies they were have, having. They wanted it to be where um, they could kind of, it wasn't, you know, you can't do birth control. There was of no any kind, but they didn't have birth control like we know it as the pill. But they were using natural, and you know okay. it was really looked down upon. And so they brought that up, and so to protect the women, so they weren't all dying off. Just think, they were like a lot of them were dying yes. in childbirth. Yes, babies were dying. So were women? Were they <laughs> homemakers? Were they family? Yes, they were homemakers. Or were they, they like, I home. don't want to do this, and I want out of this house, and I don't want to have all it these was, babies. It was. Every stream of women that what they wanted. Okay. But the majority of them, the majority of women before 1950, if you had school-aged children, you were inside the home. That was your job. That was your job. Before 1950. Absolutely. W- were they miserable? No. It was, it was revered. It was re- revered and elevated to be a homemaker and um, a wife. Women wanted to be it. And the ones that didn't get to were very sad. You know, we have the old Spencer kind of right. talk. Right. So it was a very revered to be a wife and a mother. More so than it is today. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. Right. It's despised now. Right. We'll get into that. Yeah. Very Not despised. by everybody, but right. But okay. anyway, so, so for these women to get to do that, something had to be done about the children. You're going to see a thread through this whole for thing. They, Kids for the them problem. to be able to do what? What was Whatever their objective? Whatever they wanted. Okay, if so they that was the thing. And, if they wanted to work in Congress, if they wanted to... The women were doing things. They were working. Yes. Already. It's, yes. But they wanted- And they but, were educated. Okay, but these women wanted more. <clears throat> they wanted more freedom. Some and, of them, yeah. And what? The children 
were a problem. Yeah. Like who's going to take care of them? Right. No, no daycare. And so is that where Margaret Sanger came in? Margaret Sanger fixed the problem. And she came in and she um, she helped start Planned Parenthood that far back. The, the deep, dark secret that they don't want to talk about with Margaret Sang- Sanger mm-hmm. is that she was actually into eugenics. Okay, what's eugenics? Eugenics is what you do when you want to get rid of undesirables in the culture. And like Hitler. Yeah. Okay. So eugenics is, is, um, cleansing the culture from undesirable people. Yes. Very racist. Very, very, very racist. Okay. And so Margaret Sanger was one of the first feminists. Yeah. She spoke to the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. She, um, we have videos of her. If you, need them, we can get them used. Some of them you can get on the internet, but some of them have been bleached from the internet. But she was absolutely, I can give you one of her quotes, which I think probably is um, a good time to do that. She basically said that it was that we needed to cleanse. And it wasn't just um, the races that she was trying to change. She was trying to get rid of undesirables like Down syndrome and um, people with epilepsy and things like that. She was trying to create a clean race. Is it true that they had an agenda in putting the Planned Parenthood uh, facilities in low-income Black neighborhoods? I'm so glad you brought that up because, yes, they absolutely did. That was the plan. And um, because since abortion was legal, half half of the black population through Planned Parenthood has been eliminated. Correct. And right now there are more babies in New York City that are black that are being aborted than are born. So now it's more than half. Mm-hmm. That okay. are aborted. And that was Margaret Sanger. Okay. Margaret anything Sanger. else? And she, and she put them in black communities and she called it the Negro Project. Wow. Yeah. So- we want to we want to love we want to love like the first wave and right to vote and everything but margaret sanger came in there with mm-hmm. you know she was a racist and right now planned parenthood has been trying to kind of step back from from it because it's kind of coming out a, a bit sure. and um so they're trying to distance and then they're trying to reword things because that's what progressives do they progressively move forward, and when they hit a stumbling block or a roadblock or speed bump, they will back up and they will redefine or rephrase whatever it is. And that's kind of what we're experiencing now since we've been right. talking about the women, womanhood. Okay. So when now, were these Planned Parenthoods originally performing abortions? Because- Abortion didn't become legal until 1972. Were they offering uh, birth control? Yeah, they were helping them with birth control. Okay, so they were helping women with birth control so that the women could go and do whatever they wanted, basically. But there was, as we all know, abortion's been around for- um, Even before then. Yeah, forever. Sure. And they would help them find, quote, cleaner places for that kind of thing. Okay. Okay, so, so they that, was an, black, that was an important part of it. Like okay. So it's it's sad that she helped stop back alley abortions with coat hangers. Like the, that was a phrase that was continually used. You don't hear it much anymore because it is pretty graphic, 
But um, yeah, that was very, very common in the 60s to hear that kind of talk. Okay. So, so they achieved the right to vote. They did. Okay. Good men, they were united with men in that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, men were on, on board. Second wave. Second wave. What happens then? So in the beginning, this is looking, <clears throat> I don't know, this okay. isn't looking so bad, except no. that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not pro-abortion, so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not obviously not KKK, and the eugenics aspect of it is an ugly root mm-hmm. to the movement yeah. that we really do need to be aware of. <laughs> okay, but what happened in the second wave? Well, from the first wave to the second wave, there was a little lull. Just a little intermission kind of taking place. It's called World War II. Okay. <laughs> and the uh, the men went off to war. Okay. And the women were in the factories working everything. So they were working. Sure. And, you know, not many of them were getting pregnant because there were no men. There were no men. The there men were, no were men. not there. The men were gone. And they had access to birth control now. Um, mostly, mostly still just natural Natural. Still natural. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, the pill wasn't here yet. Okay. So what were their lives like in the second wave? Okay. Well, of course, they were working really hard during the war. And then the men came home from war and we had the golden era right. of our country. The baby boomers were the about The baby to boomers. That was the Everybody 50s. got pregnant. <laughs> Everybody got pregnant. So housing went through the roof. Okay. Because Man, my husband, he's a civil engineer. He would have loved it back then. But they had all of their babies, and that suburbia came up. We had to have station wagons. They started um, the in um, the factories where they were making tanks and stuff, started making great things like washing machines. So and, washing machines. Yes, a real washing machine. That's huge. Stove, refrigerators. Okay. Like, this was huge. And- at the same time, um, TV came. Okay. And so they had to sell this stuff. So on all the commercials and everything, you would see um, this beautiful person with her kids and her apron and her pearls, yes, going through, using her vacuum, talking about all of that. Um, so <laughs> life was good for yeah they had vacuums now they had they had washing machines they had a sears catalog hello they had a sears catalog (laughs) okay so what started the second wave what what was it what was the problem because that's what you got to have a problem for women to rise up yeah well there was a movement and then they found a problem okay okay what was the problem so it wasn't the women in america got all mad there was a movement and it found the problem. So the movement was the feminist movement. And the feminist movement is based in um, changing things. Betty Friedan wrote a book mm-hmm. called The Feminine Mystique. Okay. It's all about how women have it terrible and the men are putting us down and the men are the problem. And aren't you not happy? And reading this book, which, of course, I've read many times. I've read all the feminist books I can get my hands on, even Gloria Steinem's new one. I'm like, oh, my gosh, girl. <laughs> it hasn't changed, probably. They're still- No. Yeah. You're still miserable if you're at home taking care of- Oh, you're despised. Right. It right. is not- You can do anything you want in our culture as a woman. Right. But do not think that you can be a wife and a mother and be 
and be content. Well, to have any brains, friend. Like, oh. you don't qualify to have an opinion. That's so interesting. Well, that's, that's so interesting. Okay. I mean, it's but the it's, all, it's been that way with them all along. All along. All along. So, because it's the greatest thing in the world to be a mother. No, it's God's plan for you to be a mother. That too. Makes it the goodest plan. God's always got the goodest plan. He's always got the goodest plan. He's got the goodest plan. So that's his goodest plan for all of us. But Betty Friedan writes this book, The Feminine Mm -hmm. Mystique, and Mm -hmm. basically starts to sow this dissatisfaction in the women about marriage and about motherhood. Yeah. I want to read a couple- Okay. A couple of um, her. Betty and and there's two other women that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about okay. Betty for Dan, mm-hmm. Gloria Steinem. Okay. And then Kate Millett. Okay. A lot of us. you may not know about Kate, but you're going to get to know her. Now, Gloria Steinem was really famous for a phrase that said, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Now, isn't that cute? You just can laugh and think, oh, that there's. Pretty harmless, right? Well, just listen and keep listening <laughs> because you can find that one all over the place on wow. the internet. But Kate Millett said, monogamy and prostitution go together. Monogamy and prostitution co- go together. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, they said that if you were a woman and you had a husband, that he be- that's basically is um, legalized rape. They use these words. Okay. So okay, it, so you're so basically mm-hmm. they start telling the women you're being taken advantage of. Yeah, sounds like uh, Eve. Okay, and the fish and the bicycle one is so interesting. Like I need a man, like I need a warm blanket on a cold day. Mm-hmm. Well, but actually, saying, we do need men. Yeah, I do. I well, need I need him. I need my husband like I need a warm blanket on a cold day. Yeah. I need him like that. Yeah. But they're saying you need a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Like mm-hmm. in other words, you don't need a man. Right. Okay, so that was the beginning of that movement. Yes. And okay. they also, it was based in communism. And I'm going to give you Lenin's, uh, a quote from Lenin. So the chief thing is to get women to take part in a socially productive labor, to liberate them from domestic slavery, to free them from the stupefying and the humility, humiliating subjugation to the eternal drudgery of the kitchen and the nursery. This struggle will be a long one, and it demands a radical reconstruction, both of social technique and morale. (laughs) But in the end, it will completely triumph in communism. Really? Thank you. The drudgery of the kitchen, that's my favorite place. Well, I mean, but it was a long, (laughs) right, it was this really long thing, like so many stuff that they said. Okay. Um, Another feminist said, the nuclear family must be destroyed, whatever its ultimate meaning. The breakup of the family now is an objectively revolutionary process. Wow. Okay. Gloria Steinem said, Mm -hmm. housewives are dependent creatures who are still children. They're parasites. A pair, um, this is Simone Dubois. She wrote The Second Sex in 1969. She's a real prominent part of the feminist movement, but I, we don't have time to go into all of them because there was like a bunch of them. Really, there was. Sure. Yeah. She said, a parasite sucking out the living strength of another organism. The housewife's labor does not even tend towards the creation of anything durable. <sighs> Women's work within the home is not directly useful to society, and it produces nothing. 
The housewife is subordinate, (laughs) secondary, parasitical. It is for the common welfare that the situation must alter prohibiting marriage as a career for women. A sociologist and a very prominent- I'm like in shock. Well, yeah. The housewife is a nobody and housework is a dead-end job. It may actually be the deteriorating (laughs) effect on her mind, rending her incapable of prolonged conversation, concentration on any single task. She comes to seem dumb as well as dull. Being a housewife makes women sick. Sociologist Jesse Bernard in 1982. Like, yeah. Well, that's why it's so interesting because, you know, we have uh, both had a great relationship with Debbie Titus. Mm -hmm. And she also lived. We talked about this many times. She lived through this season. She was one of the cool girls that I would have been watching. Okay. Well, she she made the home her whole ministry, the message of the home. And she fought through all of this junk. She sure did. Look at what she was up against. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. insane. Okay, I got one okay. more. Okay, go. The um, Paul King is an expert on con. This is not. A, we're not doing a political thing, but you need to know the roots of feminism. Paul King is an expert on communism, and he writes in his book Takedown that Kate Millett channeled all her revolutionary nostrils in a campaign to take down traditional marriage and family. The three people most responsible for the disassembling of the Western society as that we see it today is Karl Marx, Hubert Mescau, and Kate Millett. Wow. Okay, so they... Okay. Wow. Okay. So this is what's happening is basically the family, and we're going to wrap up this first episode. We're going to wrap this up because we're going to follow up the next episode talking about the third wave. And we'll pick up, we'll pick up where we left off. Let, let, let's just stop here for just a second. What happened, Mona? How, that is, how do these women go from being proud to be mothers, housewives. I get the property stuff. I get the right to vote. I get that. Mm-hmm. I really do. And yeah. I respect it. Yeah. Um, how did they get to the point where women were so angry and dissatisfied and looking at being a mother like your leech? I mean, it or whatever. Parasite. Parasite sorry. Worse. The man's the leech. <laughs> The woman's the parasite. So we won't. Yeah, that was a little bit yeah, yeah. not planned. Um, but <laughs> um, how, how did we get there? We got there because my, this is my opinion. Um, women had um, so much to, left, time left around their homes. They no longer had to take care of their homes like they did before the war. Or because like, they had washing machines and vacuum. Yeah, cleaners. they had things that really made them have extra time. They really did have extra time. They had extra time. And instead of taking it and taking it and using it for good, they were like the Israels, Israelites in the wilderness that came out of Egypt and they were given food every day. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't like this manna and we this don't. other stuff you're dropping. Yeah, we want quail. We want meat. We want this. We want, we want the onions. We want, and um, hmm. they were fussy and they were cranky and they were very vulnerable 
to the um, the feminist movement, and in the early '60s, a girl named Katie Sarechild, Sarah Child, I got, I think that's her name, but she discovered a um, method, a political method for winning people over, and that was their answer, and that's how it happened. It was called consciousness raising. Okay, before we close mm. out this episode, mm-hmm. there's a lot of consciousness raising going on right now in our it culture. It is the method. Okay, it is the method. Always so, have been. Okay, so because you can take satisfied, grateful homemakers and turn them into angry, bitter feminists, Mm-hmm. Or angry, bitter women, which is what really matters, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Okay, through consciousness raising. You can. And right now, there's consciousness raising going on in the schools. And I know we're going to get into this a lot deeper in our later episodes. But before we close today, can you please tell my listeners how does consciousness raising work? Is is it the same as thought reform and mind control? Um, no, I don't Okay, so. it's not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I, I like to teach on mind control because it's something I, I think, get. I think it can what? fall underneath those categories because you're okay. actually trying to get people to think a different way. Okay, but it's different. It's different than it's, mind control. Okay. It's, they, they convince them. Okay, so what is consciousness raising and how they, does it work? And then we're going to close They kind of use out. their emotions, <laughs> but they use their uh-huh. mind too. Okay, so consciousness raising is a radical weapon. It is a radical weapon. And it is used by, um, it can be used by anybody. But it was actually used by Mao in his conquering of his, his run to conquer the world. And what did Mao kill? 60 million people? No, that's the babies. Millions. I mean, after you, actually, I think it's a billion. Okay, you can look that up. That okay. will show. But Mao was one of the biggest tyrants in history and okay. killed so, so many people. Him and Stalin. Killed people like crazy. Okay. Communist. Okay. And they did this that through their, consciousness raising. They start with consciousness raising. Okay. So what consciousness is that? raising. Um, what Ma would do, he would go into a village of an area that he wanted to take, and he would gather up the women, and he, not him himself, but he would send his people, and then start asking them, how's it going? How are, are you happy? Like, how is it, how is it in this, in this, in this village? Well, how are you being treated? And invariably in, in there, the the women, there would be some women that they weren't being treated very well. And then she would say, well, my husband is coming home drunk. He's mad. He's beating me. He's this, I, you know, I don't want to have sex. He makes me have sex. Like, so the other women, even though they may not have had any of those things in their lives, they would be saying, oh, what the heck? That's terrible. We got to do something. So it plays on the empathy in a woman's heart and the emotions of a woman's heart. So mm. it takes something that God meant for good and it was turning it into something called bitterness breeds bitterness, it breeds bitterness and pain invokes pain. And that was wow. wh- what Mao says. That's how he describes consciousness raising. And when Katie found this, 
she's like, this is it. This is how we're going to get it out. Because they didn't have the internet. They didn't, they had TV, but I mean, what are they going to do? No internet, this huge movement. So in 1968, there were 200 women at the first now convention. Okay. 200. And um, Betty and Gloria and Kate Millett and some of the other players, the they they got off alone. They didn't like what they were talking about. They didn't feel like it was radical enough. Mm. And they wanted to bring this in. And Sarah's like, I got it. This is it. We're going to start consciousness raising groups mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where women can find their their voice. Sure. Because women aren't happy. And that's what they've been, they had been saying. Women are not happy. Women aren't happy. It's like, yeah, women, I'm not happy either. Like, Uh but they're, but the, the realm of what happiness is, is so wide that any woman can say, I'm not happy. Anyone can find something. No, right. Any woman can say, well, I don't feel very pretty. Right. When, when you, when you're out in the yard, when you're dressed up, like what? When you're young, like there's just all kinds of varieties of that. And so they could get those women to talk to one another. And invariably, there would be someone that truly was hurt. Again, a problem was actually there. And Mm. then they would rally around those women. Like when you talked about the the mutilation, the female mutilation. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Well, that was probably a group of women that felt that way, that actually did something. Right. That were part of the feminist movement that didn't, they could have been Christian women that went to church every week and that loved the Lord and they called themselves feminists, but they didn't know what the feminist movement really was. What the roots were. But that was never a, um, a goal of the feminist movement. They would say they had three things that they were, that they found important. And so we all can get on board with what they said they found important. But there was this underlaying belly, and it was ugly. Okay. So really quickly. <clears throat> oh, wait a minute. I forgot to tell you. 200 women. Oh, right, right, right. right 200 right. women. In two years, 20,000 walked the streets for the first Women's March in New York City. So in they two from- years, no internet. That's incredible. They went from 200 women to 20,000 women the next year. No, two years. In two years. By basically sowing discord Mm. among the women of tapping in through empathy of the things that they were unhappy about and that they wanted to find change And they came, and the the mouthpaces, the the ones out front, said, we know that the problem with no name, as it kind of went, as they went along, the problem with no name, it actually has a, a name. It's what, called patriarchy. Okay. okay. And, and because it was patriarchy, then it has to be men. So men are the problem. So then the, these women are hanging out with their friends with lots of time. So children are the problem. Children are the problem. Men are the problem. Anything else? No. Okay. We're just going to start there. The, the nuclear family well, is going and that to they end can't, up. They can't find themselves. So yeah, the, and the being a mother, being a, being a woman at home is a problem, is a problem. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up this episode. 
consciousness raising crazy right? patriarchy and i want to talk about next on the next episode i want to talk about the female genital mutilation that is very important to me it's something i've studied and i want to understand how could it possibly be that they raised their voices to protect girls from female genital mutilation and today they are promoting it Today they are promoting it. So I want to understand how that happened. And my guess is consciousness raising. <laughs> that's my, that's my, that's my best guess. Um, but kids just, are the problem. Yeah. And we fix everything through consciousness raising. I'm really interested about that. Okay. So I'm excited to keep having our conversation. Good, Next time we're going to talk about the third wave and we're going to get to where we are now. Thank you so much for, Mona, yeah. for joining me. I might have me. a couple, a couple little more minute on the, on the second wave. We'll pick up at yeah. the end of the second wave. Need to. Okay. Sounds good. Because right. there were some stuff that we kind of need to know about. Okay, sounds good. So we're going to meet up again next week. But yeah. thank you guys for joining us in the I Am A Woman podcast. We're going to go back and understand the roots of this movement so that we can go forward with a new understanding. Mm-hmm. I am a woman and my name means life. <laughs>